well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you're with us on the program today. This is the first time I've had a chance to talk since the uh, Rittenhouse verdict was announced on Friday. And yeah, we are going to be talking about that because the the tsunami of outright lies. I wouldn't even say, you know, misinformation or bad reporting. Look, we're we're seeing media outlets allow lies to go unchecked here. Uh, I'm not going to relitigate a lot of this stuff. I've written about it at BarryAndArms.com and encourage you to check it out. It was all over the Sunday shows. Because again, common falsehoods repeated time and time again in the hopes of, I think, ginning up Americans' emotions. we got to do something about this. This was awful. This was the wrong decision. Well, what are you going to do? What, 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 what are you going to do? Because I, honestly, I haven't heard too much from the left uh, about what should be done as a result of this verdict. If you feel like an injustice has been done here, what what's the solution? We've heard some people, you know, make mouth noises about gun control laws. We've had other people point fingers at the criminal justice system. See, this shows the, uh, the bias in the system, which I, I can't really explain how it shows the bias in the system, especially, again, when you're getting so many of the basic facts around this case wrong. But that's the argument. And then there are those who say, well, I mean, clearly the show is that there's something screwed up with self-defense. It's it's too hard. I you actually I've actually heard people say it's too hard. People from the left, people who are normally arguing that we need to reform the criminal justice system because we're putting too many innocent people behind bars. Now they're saying it's too hard to convict somebody if they're acting in self-defense. It's enough to make you want to pull your hair out if you had any hair? I'm, I'm leaving this alone. But uh, there have been times where I've been yanking on the beard this weekend as I've been uh, hearing just the uh, falsehood after falsehood after falsehood uh, relayed from the media. And, you know, if you're not paying close attention to the Rittenhouse case, you very well are accepting what the, the lies the media are telling uh, about this case. I ran it out with my own family this weekend, as a matter of fact. So, again, I think it is incumbent on us to push back. I completely get why Kyle Rittenhouse is speaking to Tucker Carlson. Who's he going to speak to? Who is Kyle Rittenhouse going to speak? sit down and speak with? Don Lemon? Uh, Chris Cuomo? Rachel Maddow? How about Joanne Reed? Maybe Kyle Rittenhouse could give his first interview to Joanne Reed. Again, the left sees this, oh, look, the right's turning Kyle Rittenhouse into a hero. He needs to get his story out there, considering all the lies have been told. Where do you expect him to tell it? If not the most watched cable news network, if not the most popular show on the most popular news network. He wants people to hear what he has to say. So A, he's not going to go to MSNBC or CNN because they don't know the ratings. But B, they also have an ideology. They've been calling him a white supremacist. They've been calling him a militia member. They've been calling him an insurrectionist. Why would he tell his story to them? But again, media sees... Kyle Rittenhouse sitting down with Fox News is more evidence that the right wing is trying to lionize Kyle Rittenhouse, trying to turn him into a hero. It's absurd. It's absurd. Uh, and I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. But I got to tell you, I, you know, there's not much I can do about the uh, media. As much as I try, and we can push back. We can report the facts here. We try to do that each and every day. 
But one of the things that I am a little concerned about is what the left might try to do with the uh, the Rittenhouse trial in terms of uh, using it to go after our right to keep and bear arms or our right of self-defense. And over at Reason, J.D. Tuchilli has a, an interesting column talking about why he's not really concerned about that. Uh, and he starts out by uh, pointing out something we've talked about uh, quite a bit at Bearing Arms over the past couple of weeks or so, and that is that American support for stricter gun control is on the decline. Uh, he notes Gallup reporting last week that uh, support for gun control has fallen five points to 52%, the lowest rating since 2004. Quinnipiac actually had it even uh, a more of a larger drop. Uh, and uh, Chuchilli says, look, you know, since 2014 or since 1990, the high point in, in, in support for stricter gun laws, support has generally trended downward. And he says over that time, the issues become increasingly partisan, soaring support for tighter laws among Democrats, declining support among Republicans and independents caught in the middle, but losing their taste for restrictions. Since 2001, Democratic support for stricter laws grew from 61% to 91%. Republican support dropped from 44% to 24%. Independent support for more restrictions went from 55% in 2001 to a high of 64% in 2019 before a plunge to 45% today. As a result, he says, tougher gun control remains an unassailable position among Democratic politicians, but one with diminishing appeal outside of the ranks of the faithful. He's right about that. Actually, I, I wrote a piece over the weekend about why this is going to be such a political problem for Democrats next year, because... Generally speaking, Democrats, uh, we, we, we've seen these trends, right? So, you know, Democrats have become more supportive of gun control over the past 20 years. Republicans have become less supportive of gun control over the past 20 years. Generally, independents have sort of gone along with Democrats, but they've been about 20 points behind, right? So when 61% of Democrats say, yeah, we need more gun control, it was about 41% of independents. When it soared to 91% of Democrats, it really was, again, as uh, Dave, uh, J.D. Tuchilli mentioned, it got up to about 64% in 2019. But support for gun control remains high among Democrats, and it has dropped off a cliff among independents over the past couple of years. And so the Democrats could always get by and say, look, what we're doing is popular, not only among our base, but among independents. Independents want more gun control laws, so there you go. It's a winning issue for us. As it always turned out that way. Because I think of the intensity with which uh, pro-Second Amendment voters view the issue compared to you know, the average gun control supporter. I think the, the right to keep and bear arms and uh, limits to the right to keep and bear arms is much more important to the average Second Amendment supporter than it is to the average gun control supporter. Uh, so I think it's always been a little bit of a lie that Democrats have told themselves. But certainly now, when you look at the poll numbers, Democrats are really standing alone on this issue. Support for new gun control laws, as J.D. Tuchilli mentioned, has dropped off a cliff for independence. And it's not just the Gallup poll that shows this. Morning Consult Politico polls show the same thing. In a generic congressional ballot, Republicans actually lead Democrats on the gun issue by seven points. Uh, we also saw a uh, Quinnipiac poll recently come out like in the past few days. Again, support for gun control among independents has dropped by 15 points over the past couple of years. So this is a loser issue for Democrats right now. I think not only constitutionally speaking, but politically speaking as well. Because Americans on the right, Americans in the muddy middle are increasingly saying, no, we don't want you to go after our right to keep and bear arms. We want to be able to protect ourselves. We want to exercise our right to keep and bear arms. And J.D. Chuchilli says he doesn't think that the Rittenhouse verdict is going to budge those numbers. 
He says Democrats compete to condemn the outcome as racist and an indictment of the American system of justice. While Republican officials joke about arm wrestling over who gets to hire Rittenhouse as an intern. He can't just be a guy. He's a hero or a villain, depending on your party. Tammy Baldwin, Democrat senator from Wisconsin, said, quote, I'm deeply concerned that it will encourage more tragic gun violence from those like Kyle Rittenhouse who think they have a license to take the law into their own hands in a violent way. Representative Mary Miller from Illinois, never surrender your Second Amendment right to defend yourself and your family. You know, I got to say, I, I, I know that J.D. Tuchilli is trying to show that both sides are, again, either demonizing or, or, or lionizing Kyle Rittenhouse. But look at those two quotes again. Tammy Baldwin, deeply concerned that it'll encourage more tragic gun violence from those like Kyle Rittenhouse who think they have a license to take the law into their own hands in a violent way. Versus never surrender your Second Amendment right to defend yourself and your family. I, I don't know what, about you, but I, I I see a big difference between those two statements. Uh, it started with the fact that Senator Baldwin makes all kinds of assumptions about uh, Kyle Rittenhouse thinking he had a license to take the law into his own hands in a violent way. According to a jury, he was acting in self-defense. Or at least the prosecution did not prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Kyle Rittenhouse was acting in self-defense because the prosecution couldn't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Kyle Rittenhouse was acting in self-defense because the only evidence that the prosecution had to show that Kyle Rittenhouse was not acting in self-defense was this pixelated photograph that the prosecution said showed Kyle Rittenhouse pointing a rifle at a guy named uh, Joshua Zeminski. And that action supposedly triggered Joseph Rosenbaum, which is what made Joseph Rosenbaum chase down Kyle Rittenhouse, reach for his gun, which is when he was shot. Again, a pixelated photo and a prosecutor's theory should not be enough to put somebody in prison for the rest of their life on a murder charge. Not when we have the right of self-defense. Not when there were eyewitnesses who were testifying, yes, Joseph Rosenbaum was the aggressor in that situation. And, you know, J.D. Tuchilli, I, I think, is right to note that the left's going to respond one way, the right's going to respond another way. You can almost, I mean, you, 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 can, you, can, you, you know how each side is going to respond to this. Everybody's on brand, right? The problem with that is that, again, in playing to your base, you ignore the reality around you. And so J.D. Tuchilli talked about in his column another case that was decided the same day the verdict was handed down in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, another case involving self-defense uh, was decided by a jury. Vero Beach, Florida. A guy named Andrew Coffey. As uh, J.D. Tuchilli reports, uh, the Treasure Coast newspapers cover the story this way. A Gifford man who claimed that he was defending himself and his girlfriend when he fired shots at deputies during an early morning raid in 2017, was acquitted on Friday of charges that carried a life prison term. A jury found Andrew A.J. Coffey, the fourth, 27, not guilty of second-degree felony murder, three counts of attempted first-degree murder of a law enforcement officer by discharging a firearm, and one count of shooting or throwing a deadly missile. This was a case of police officers conducting a, a raid. They said that they had announced themselves. A, a lot of similarities to the Breonna Taylor case in Louisville, Kentucky. And again, the same supposedly uh, racist criminal justice system that ensures that uh, uh, white men uh, get a leg up over black and brown defendants, a jury acquitted Mr. Coffey of shooting 
a law enforcement officer. Now, again, I, I would argue that if we saw systemic racism in our criminal justice system, a verdict like that would not be likely to happen. In fact, I, 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 I and now look, that does not mean that you cannot find racist jurors. That does not mean you cannot find racist prosecutors. That cannot, that does not mean that you can't find prosecutorial abuse. Oh, I think you can. I think you can. But the idea that you can look at one case, any one case in isolation and say, see, look, this proves the X, Y, or Z about the entirety of the criminal justice system is ridiculous. It doesn't matter if you're talking about Kyle Rittenhouse. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the Ahmaud Arbery trial. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the trial of Mr. Coffee in Vero Beach, Florida. You can't look at one case in isolation and say, Bob, well, this proves that everything, doesn't it? No. Because you have to look at the facts of each and every case. And the facts of the Rittenhouse case were that the prosecution never had a strong case to begin with. Rittenhouse's defense attorney, Mark Richards, talked during closing arguments about the fact that, uh, or, or about his theory, that the uh, prosecution decided to charge Kyle Rittenhouse. Basically, it's a political decision. Before all the facts were known, we do know that he was charged 48 hours after the shooting took place, long before. Uh, all of the interviews with eyewitnesses had been conducted long before the video evidence had uh, been released or even obtained by law enforcement. They had already decided they believed they knew what had happened that night and built their case around those assumptions. Even when the evidence demonstrated something else entirely. So we can have these conversations about the need for criminal justice reform. We can have these conversations about prosecutorial abuse. We can have these conversations about mandatory minimum prisons. We, we should be having these conversations, but we should be having smart conversations about them. Not the uh, idiocy that we see from so many and the outright lies that we see from so many in the media. J.D. Tuchelli says, uh, given the partisan nature on the gun issue, the raw hatred between the political tribes and modern American passions over firearms ownership, it's impossible to imagine that ramming gun restrictions through Congress would accomplish much. Individuals who oppose such laws would ignore them. Localities controlled by self-defense supporters, i.e. Second Amendment sanctuaries, would refuse to enforce them. The result would be yet more political chaos. Gun ownership, he says, remains a battleground for Republicans and Democrats, but really it's just theater. Declining support for restrictions, growing and diversifying gun ownership, and wide demand for the tools of self-defense almost certainly doom the dreams of prohibitionists. I, you know, and listen, here's the thing. I agree with J.D. Tuchilli that I think that the gun control movement ultimately is doomed because of the Constitution, because of the Supreme Court, because of the growing number of gun owners across the political spectrum. I, 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 I do agree long term uh, with J.D. Tuchilli's assertion that uh, a gun control is on the wrong side of history. But I would disagree that this is all theater. Because it's not all theater. Kyle Rittenhouse could have faced life in prison. Mr. Coffey could have faced life in prison down in Vero Beach, Florida. He still faces prison time because he was a felon in possession of that firearm. So he was acting in self-defense. Even as a felon who illegally possessed a firearm, he still had the right to act in armed self-defense, even if those people he thought were intruders were actually law enforcement. That's Now, does that law of self-defense need to change? According to the left. Again, I, I, we'll never know because they'll never talk about that case. Because they don't want to talk about that case. They want to talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. 
if uh, the men accused of Maude Arbery's murder are convicted of that crime, I know we're going to hear much about that case, too. It'll be a one or two, maybe a two-day news story. Probably a one-day news story. If those men are acquitted, on the other hand, that'll be a week-long news story. And this ultimately is the problem here. Because as much as we might like to say, well, you know, look, nothing's going to change. This is all just political theater. The left's going to keep doing what they're doing. The right's going to keep doing what they're doing. What the left is doing is criminalizing the exercise of a constitutional right. What the left is doing is putting people in prison for keeping and bearing arms in self-defense. So I can't just see this as theater because there is a real human cost to these gun control laws, including any that uh, blue states might put on the books as a uh, reaction to the acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse. This isn't just theater. There's a human price that is paid when the state stands between you and the exercise of your fundamental, enumerated, individual right to keep and bear arms in self-defense. It's just that simple. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed citizen story, speaking of the right of self-defense, uh, plus our uh, good deed of the day and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a uh, story out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where a uh, man was arrested for allegedly shooting his mother multiple times during an argument, yeah, and that uh, suspect known to police. This uh, occurred last Thursday when uh, Dondi Terrell Lee Jr. and his mother were allegedly in a heated argument in her apartment. Deputies say Lee's father was also in the apartment at the time of the fight. He reported hearing his son cursing and yelling. They went on to say he next heard several gunshots fired in the kitchen. He went into the kitchen and saw his wife on the floor in a pool of blood. She sustained gunshot wounds to her abdomen, her arms, her legs, and her face. Lee then wrestled the gun away from his son. The son was injured, uh, apparently with uh, non-life-threatening injuries. Authorities say that Lee has a criminal history of armed robbery, aggravated kidnapping, simple robbery, and illegal use of a dangerous weapon. Did I mentioned he's 24? 24. And he already has a criminal history of armed robbery, aggravated kidnapping, simple robbery, and illegal use of a dangerous weapon. Not legally allowed to carry a firearm or possess one because of a 2015 conviction. He's currently on supervised probation. Now he's been charged on uh, with attempted second-degree murder, possession of a firearm by a person convicted of certain felonies, domestic abuse, aggravated assault, as well as illegal possession of stolen firearms. Maybe this time around, he's going to get more than a slap on the wrist and a uh, we'll see you soon if he's convicted of these charges. Uh, all right, on to today's Armed Citizen story. Rally, North Carolina. Where a homeowner shot a uh, individual breaking into his home on Saturday afternoon. This is broad daylight, just before 2 p.m. Officers responded to a, uh, a neighborhood in North Rally. Said a man came home and uh, found somebody breaking into his house. The uh, homeowner apparently was armed at the time, shot the break-in suspect in the leg in what police described uh, as self-defense, person who was shot, taken to local hospital, non-life-threatening injuries. We don't have a lot of additional details. That's basically what we know. Uh, but again, police are saying that the homeowner was acting in self-defense. No charges expected to be filed, uh, except against the person trying to break into the home once they're released from the hospital. And finally today, our good deed of the day, 
A uh, Massachusetts police officer wanted to, you know, get away from the cold, wintry weather already hitting New England, headed down to sunny Florida. Even though he was off the clock, though, you can't really turn off your uh, desire to protect and serve when necessary. And so uh, under the sunny skies and the waving palm fronds on Marco Island, an off-duty Massachusetts police officer named uh, Jeff Lincoln found himself in the right place at the right time and willing and able to do the right thing to save a five-year-old girl from New Jersey. Uh, ABC 7 in uh, Florida says that uh, Lincoln was on vacation with his girlfriend and their seven-month-old son last week. It was about 11.30 a.m. It was their last day there. He heard a commotion coming from the water at the pool at their hotel. He said it was a couple who realized that their young daughter wasn't swimming. She was drowning. Uh, Lincoln said she was turning blue. It just didn't look good at all. She wasn't breathing. There was no pulse. It was not a good scene. Couple scream for help. Jeff Lincoln runs over without hesitation, pulls the girl from the water. He said, I have to do something. He is certified in CPR. He'd never had to actually use it before. Uh, for two minutes, he worked to revive that little girl. He said it felt like five seconds. But she came through. He said she just started crying. She ran into her mother's arms. He says, I was just grateful for that. Last time he saw her, was when she was loaded up into an ambulance, taken to a local hospital there in uh, Marco Island, Florida. He said, if I had anything to say to her, I just want to know she's all right. Meanwhile, his girlfriend uh, says as a parent incident eye-opening, she said, it's just a wake-up call for any parent. You have to be keeping an eye on your kids at all times and be comfortable that if something were to happen, that you act and act quickly. Well, again, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to save the life of that little girl. Westford, uh, Westford Massachusetts police officer Jeff Lincoln we thank you, sir, for your very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. We will be back tomorrow, however, with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information. We're going to have an abbreviated schedule this week because of the Thanksgiving holiday. We'll be with you Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, but I do want to let you know that if you want to stay up late, I'll be sitting in for Stacey Washington on Stacey on the Right on Sirius XM Patriot Monday and Tuesday evening, 9 to midnight Eastern Time, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific. Uh, hopefully you can tune in. It's uh, Patriot Channel 125 on your Sirius XM radio dial. Don't forget as well to check out BarryAndArms.com throughout the day for even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. And if you like what you see, you can always become a VIP member. All you have to do, go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. You'll get a significant savings on your VIP or VIP gold memberships. We really do appreciate your support. It allows us to do things like send Julio Rosas to uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, to be there on the ground as the uh, verdict is announced in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Uh, we're actually going to be making some uh, road trips next year as well here at BarionArms.com. And again, we couldn't do that without your support. So thank you very much. Uh, in exchange, by the way, you're going to get free, actually not free, exclusive news stories, analysis, and other content you just can't find anywhere else. Again, just go to BarionArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. Have a great rest of your Monday. Until we talk again, be well. Be safe and be free.